Welcome to Swordnut Radio, where we make fools of ourselves for your amusement. Tonight, Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition, The Lost Mine of Fandalva. Hi, welcome to Behind the Screen. We'll be talking about Lost Mine of Fandalva tonight. I'm Paul, and joining me on the call is Adam. Say hello. Hello. And Mike. Hello. And Adam shall henceforth be known as Biddy, because we have two Adams, and that's confusing. Probably so... the better Adam, to be, to be honest. <laughs> Oh dear. Do you want me to cut that out? No, no, keep that in. <laughs> Alright. Um, for the time being, we've just wrapped up our Lost Mine of Fandalva campaign. We haven't finished the actual campaign in total, but we've got to a natural stopping point. So what I thought we'd do is have a talk about it and talk about our experiences with it. Basically give you a, a really in-depth review. Whoa, what's, is my voice breaking? It, it sounds like hell. it. Balls are dropping now. I'm becoming. To, look, Mike. There's hair where there was no hair. What's happening? Um, oh God. <laughs> so yeah, we'll, to, we'll give a. We're going to have to change our name to Hairy Sword, not Radio. <laughs> uh, okay, so we, we're going to do a review <laughs> and a recap of our experiences. This that's all staying in, <laughs> and uh, talk about the things that we did at the table. And, and our experience with it. It's it's worth noting as well that most of us are fairly new to role-playing. Yes, me being one. Yeah. Uh, this is your first ever campaign, wasn't it? Yeah, very first, yeah. So, it's not my first campaign, but I've only been playing for a year. Biddy, how long have you been playing? Uh, probably about the same amount of time. What, D&D or just like these games in general? Everything. Um, yeah, right, okay. I mean, I've I've been into it since I was little. Right. But um, uh, I moved around too much. It's it's a long story. You, you hear that a lot, though. Like most people who get into role playing games, fall into two categories: the people who kind of just go, "Oh, this looks like fun" or whatever, and like, or came from that the, the the gamer side, mm-hmm. going, "Well, I do this sort of stuff. Well, what about this?" You know, so it's always been on the on the the radar kind of things. Go, yeah, I'll give it a go, and then like it. Or the people who've been desperately trying to do it for years and years and never found a group, and then the internet comes along, or. Um, they managed to find a, a location that you know things sort of click and whatever. When I worked at, uh, they had pretty much every Friday they would stop work early and they'd all go play Dungeons and Dragons. But because I lived in the fucking arse end of nowhere, I had to always like leave early. I was like, mm. I think it was from there that I actually wanted to get into it. So and you worked there, so was that like a um, software developer? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I used to make computer games for a living. I would lead with that in every conversation. <laughs> <laughs> right. I thought, well, yeah, uh, sorry, I thought you guys knew, so. Yeah, no, yeah no. that's we, what I used we, to do. For we, we thought you crawled out of your mum and then started doing um, <laughs> training simulations for yeah, fire. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty much right. Which is, which is admittedly a much more worthwhile use of time and resources yeah. to, to train the emergency services, but yeah. Um, <laughs> We'll have to edit that out so that the Rusak gamers think we're firemen. Yeah, yes, definitely. This, this might be a conversation for another time, but I mean, were you involved with any notable games? Um, worked on... Worked on... Uh, um, Origins. Um, a few of few Xbox Live games. But yeah. We're going to get so much hate mail. <laughs> <laughs> you fucker, there was this glitch that you know got rid of my saved games. You are personally responsible. So, uh, let's, let's, let's jog on, shall we? Mm. Um, so, okay. So I got the starter set through 
the um I actually bought it from Travelling Man at uh at, at the, the Comic Con in uh, Manchester. So it wasn't like fresh off the presses, but it was still fairly new. None of the core books were out yet. And the idea was that they released the starter set and the free PDF rules at the same time. So Why would they do the... that? Why would they do that? That's I think that's caused quite a lot of I don't know, ball ache. Well, in in what sense? Well, you not you as a DM, not well. I suppose it, it gave you quite a lot of freedom, but there was a quite a yeah. lot of questions we were asking you as new players that you you just didn't know the answers to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I you know, I'm I'm fr- I'm I'm comfortable making it up. And to be fair, that's something that D and D has always said is is that these rules are a suggestion, um, and it always always says in every in every rule book says this is just a suggestion. The DM will make the rules. But in this in this edition more than any other, that's that is the case. But yeah, um, there was uh, we will cover it as well. But uh, and remind me, like, but um, in the actual adventures written, there's a lot in there where you're left going. Um, I'm sure there's probably a rule about that. No, like if you're reading it and you have no prior knowledge at all whatsoever, you just go, oh, I'll just make this up because there's not enough detail there. So you yeah. just go, right, okay, well, let's figure this out. As someone who's read a lot of books before um and and researched a lot of books uh, or a lot of systems you know people that you know the game in the card sleeve stuff so you know, I've, I've read lots of systems to do that but i think if it, if, if the average joe thought you know what i've played a, a you know dungeon siege or something i'm gonna pick up D, picking up that box i don't think it, it it was enough i think there was a lot of unanswered questions yeah um yeah that's that's my thing as well. I think we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, cause what I want to do is, is I'll, I'll describe, I'll describe the box and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about, oh, yeah, okay. you know, what we like and dislike and whatever. And that, that's, that is a really good point. So in the box itself, firstly, massive, massive irritant. It's in American sizes. So it's not A4, it's 8 by 10. Yeah. That's why would they do that? I don't know. Because that's what they use in America. But, um, all, all, it means all the books fit in it. Like you get the core books, they all fit in there. So it's a handy little thing to carry around. But if you print off your own character sheets in Europe, they'll always get folded up by about an inch. So they'll always end up curling, which sucks hairy balls. But the um, so you you get a set of dice, you get a complete set of dice. They're all identical, um, but they're quite nice. Normally, you, what you'd get in a in a starter set would be a pretty plain set of dice. These ones, I think, they're they're blue with white yeah, they are, numbers yeah. and yeah, sort of pearlescent. You also get five pre-generated characters, and then two books. One with the player's rules, which includes spells for the mage and the cleric characters, and enough to get rolling. I think that's all you get. Yeah, you get another. You get a couple of little um, things like marketing things. You know. Uh, yeah, you, you get a few um, blank things as well. Yeah, a few blank character sheets. Yeah. Are they again in the uh, American format? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just all printed on 8x10. Um, but if you print out one yourself, obviously it's going to be on the paper stock you can get in yeah. Europe. The, there are, so there's two books, and, and we ended up not really ever using the player's handbook for that, you know, the player's rules, because it was just easier to ask me. <laughs> I think, well, I think it was useful to have about for the first few sessions, because I think it got past the route a bit, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, for, for, especially for the spells, I think. That, that was, that was where it came to its own for spells. Yeah. But one of the things is that they're, they're slim volumes. So if it, there was a reference to a spell in the DM's book, you should really 
know what that spell is. And it was in the players section, so you'd have to ask. But if it was an NPC having spells, there, there, there's a notable NPC we'll talk about later who does have lots of spells, none of that is explained in the DMs that you've got his stat block, and you've got his... Um, you know, you've got the spells that he's got, how many he can do, when he can do, whatever, but there's nothing to tell you what those spells are without asking the players or having the player's book, which really gives it away. Yeah. It says, you're about to face a spellcaster. You know, kind of, yeah. So I the surprise would be ruined. I suppose if, because it's meant to be a starter set, I suppose it, it kind of makes sense for it to be that numb nuts. Like, yeah, well, yeah, so like encourage people to talk it out and yeah. have it all in front of the, the screen, as it were, so have it out, out in the open, what you're doing. From mm. a um, a beginner's standpoint, how does it fare for um, being the DM? I mean, does it literally take you through step by step, or is it just essentially like a very stripped down adventure book? Well, the adventure book itself is... Uh, it's it's very basic. There's not a lot for off-piste stuff. So you've got, you know, this is what's here. This is the brief situation, but it doesn't give you anything outside of those details. It gives you some uh, suggestions like the players might want to go here. They might want to go there. And if they don't, you might want to suggest that they do. Uh, you know, and, and that's fair enough for a starter set. It needs to be on a, on some rails, you know. Mm. And to be honest, and, and if you, one, sorry, of the, one of the reasons why I went, looking for a group was because I read the, uh, the the player's handbook and the the actual quest I thought there's just not enough information here for me to feel comfortable to, for playing it with my friends yeah and um, just uh, for the folks at home we had um, a, a guy called Simon who was with us for about half the adventure uh, we, we changed the nights we were on he couldn't make it and he was playing the mage but he went and uh, started running this adventure himself as well, so you know, he he got some people together and, and started group up, mm. and yeah, I think it's that. If if nothing else, there's no prompt to say improvise. There's no there's nothing in this to say when you're running this adventure, just make it up. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't literally say it. I mean, someone who's familiar with D and D will know that, but if you're familiar with D and D, you don't need to make it up as much. You know. Yeah, I think you just needed to see how it was run. In in yeah. person, like just to watch someone who's competent at being a DM do it. I mean, you could watch videos mm. online, but I think it's different being there in a group and what, and what have you. Mm. So, um, to to briefly summarise the plotline, what happens is you have five adventurers: uh, a cleric, a mage, a uh, was it two fighters? Two fighters. Yeah. A cleric, mage, two fighters, and what's the last one? A thief. So you have a halfling thief. So they're all they're all fairly typical characters. You know, the mage is an elf, the the cleric is a dwarf, the two fighters are human. It's 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 pretty vanilla D and D. So there's no surprises. And what happens is you're you're doing the again the the simplest of plot hooks is you are escorting some goods. In this case, you're not actually escorting uh, a caravan or whatever. It's just you are literally taking the goods yourself to a town. You get waylaid. And you notice that there's someone who might need rescuing who you know, then you go off and you go through some caves. There's some goblins at those caves. Uh, well, you end up finding some goblins. That leads you to some caves where there's more goblins, um, and you can do a bit of a dungeon crawl there. Uh, you end up clearing out the caves, going to a town called Fandalin, or Fandalin, as we said, which is why all my accents are Welsh, because Fandalin. <laughs> 
Uh, it, it does sound Welsh. It's, it's proper boyo kind of uh, accent there. And which is great because Tom's Welsh as well. And uh, our families actually come from the same area, um, about sort of 10 miles apart. Apparently, I sound like his dad. So, <laughs> so from there, you, you, you're in a town. So obviously, when you're in town, you've got to clear out the ne'er-do-wells. So you go and clear out a, a band of thieves and brigands, um, you know, the local heavies, and there's complications there. And you're supposed to take out this group um, before anyone will talk to you in town, basically. You're supposed to establish that there might be a connection between them and the goblins that you took out, but you still can't find where the goblins' main base is and where, where your guys actually are, who you need to rescue. And you've got to go on some subquests. And there's a couple of subquests. There's a banshee that you've got to go and get a thing from. Uh, I think it's a book. You've got to or, or learn the location of a book to hand to someone else, and it's all about this mirror and whatever. And that just seems really extraneous to me, but it's kind of... We didn't do any of that, did we? Yeah. No, no. We, um... we certainly touched on it, because I had the conversation with the uh, NPC about it all, and I think I, I agreed to do this quest for a favour. Which I now yeah. regret. I should have got payment up in front, <laughs> especially considering we didn't done it. It would have been free money for no work, basically. So yeah. to be fair, though, we we had, we had a shit ton of money anyway, didn't we? So mm. we weren't lacking in that department. <laughs> um, I, I think how how your character went on. I think uh, he's probably learned his lesson by now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you're supposed to do that. And there's the thing about that quest is that it has no ramification in any other part of that quest. It literally is someone needs a job doing, go and do it. You know, it's grinding for XP. Yeah, it's power, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and to be honest, if you if your players need XP padding, um, or if they need grinding to level up so they can do the rest of the thing, you just level them up. Fuck it, why not? But that's not explained um, at all. Like, no, it's not. If no. you if you complete novice, then you would do everybody side quest. Well, you know, if, it depends on where you're coming from. If you're coming from a gaming background, a video gaming background, you go, yeah, it's just the side quest to do. Let's do the side quests. Because mm. um, it's obviously there so that, you know, we can get XP that we need. So let's do that. You know, that's that's what you would do. You, you know, everyone grinds the first two levels, three levels, and then goes out and does the thing. But but the the next thing is that you go to a town called Thunder Tree, which is where a couple of the characters' backstories tie in, which is overrun by these plant monsters. Um, and possibly some zombies and a dragon. Because there's a druid there who knows where the Cragmore Castle is, where these goblins are. And that's a roundabout way of doing it. It's, it's, to be honest, it's, it's quite D&D in a way. It's like, well, you've got to go here to find out this, which has nothing to do with your thing, so it's a pain in the ass for you, but you've got to do it. Um, and it's, 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 and D&D is kind of about getting player characters to do things they don't want to do. Um, and still be awesome at it, but, make difficult choices mm. but again it's a little bit extraneous and it, it would add three four sessions on onto your to the game well three or four hour sessions we, we we have a two and a half hour session um, most people are looking at a four hour session so you'd get twice as much done right um so yeah so like like one and a half two sessions doing that you might die because you, again you squishy it's low level stuff and then you clear out Cragmore Castle, you rescue the guy, find out there's even more connections between all these people, figure it out, go away back Echo Cave, and then kick all the asses, and that's what we'll do later. So, in terms of 
how how we played through. Uh, Biddy, you played Lord Robert, the human fighter. Yeah. And there's there's two fighters. There's one deck space, uh, which was Eliza, who's Alex's character, who's a, who's a, a commoner in background. And then you've got your uh, your character who was a noble in background and yeah. was a, a strength based fighter and a big axe. Mm-hmm. And Mike, you were Zane. Yes. Zane Rockseeker, who was the dwarven cleric. And Rockseeker is is actually a name from the adventure itself. It's the, it's the name of Gundren Rockseeker, who's the the person you're trying to rescue. Yeah. Who's the money essentially, <laughs> um, and related to you. But literally, like no no other PC has any reason to go along with you other than they're the money. <laughs> it's like it's not established that the characters know each other for a start. No. Um, which is odd. Mm. That, yeah, that that was probably one of the most difficult things at, at the beginning. I'd had uh, never playing it before, and then I, like being thrust into like this. Well, I now have seem to have to, like grab everyone together and push them forward. I I really didn't know even it really know how to approach that. That's yeah, probably and... your fault, Paul. But... <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's literally nothing in there to to hook the other players in. The was it Lord Robert? Um, had a thing about Thundertree. Yeah, well, actually, th- saying that, Lord Robert isn't even a lord. He is just uh, described as a noble. Yeah. Uh, and that the lord was something that I said by mistake when I was introducing myself and just kind of ran with it. Which I think mm. uh, inevitably kind of defined the character, but... Um, yeah, he, yeah he's, he's got he's got no land, he's disenfranchised or whatever, but, he's, but he might have a bit of a title, so yeah. yeah. Um, but I think the idea is that there's a, a volcano... And this is, again, really... A roundabout way. I think this is more Forgotten Realms than it is um, D&D really. Yeah. Is, is, they could have just said a dragon moved into town and scared everyone away, you know, type of thing. But it was, there was a volcanic um, eruption which cleared the town out and then a dragon moved in. Like, well why? <laughs> why Why are you doing that? Um, because it, it has no bearing on anything else that happens. Mm. And it makes it better if it's this dragon that moved in because both fighters have this dragon in a way in the background. So Lord Robert's got the town, and Eliza has this dragon who you know she's got a, a score to settle against. Well, I think I think that's what we ended up as. Um, Eliza's character um, basically she had a different background from a different town. That was the dragon one, and mine was the volcano. So I think we inevitably combined the two. Oh, I see. I think we combined the two because there was a bit of confusion initially in that you kept on saying I was from such a place and I kept on look, turning my character sheet over and going, no, I'm not, I'm from this place. I'll, I'll just go with it. No, but, that was it, yeah. 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 There was, I got pissed off that there was nothing connecting anyone so I made Unilizer from the same place. Yeah, so it, it combined the two scenarios, yeah. Yeah. So that sort of informed your character decisions and like how you two would interact. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the, the, the start of it, and and getting those plot hooks. I mean, what what did you think? Did you think that you were just kind of going along with it for the sake of let's let's play the game kind of thing? I I like I said the before I established that he was a lord, I was I wasn't I, the the character kind of made sense and where he was coming from and obviously you know he'd have a sell a sense of entitlement and you'd play it that way even though he had nothing really to back it up with. But the uh, the minute he became a lord. In my head, it just kind of galvanised it all together, and the way in which I started playing, especially when I was in the town, um, was this a, was someone trying to gain their their 
field of influence their power back. So the whole thing about the, the Banshee quest in which I did it for a favour, so that was essentially so when we came back I could set myself up as, you know, a leader of the town and stuff. It wasn't, I wasn't really thinking of the group. So, I mean, yeah, as with all these things, they're, they're, they're quite loose and ready in the amount of information with it. I suppose it's how you interpret it, how you decide to run with it. I suppose mm. a different person could have gone in a completely different direction with it, so. And Mike, I mean, did you feel like, as the dwarven cleric, um, who was related to, in fact, let me have a look, um, in your, in, well, you, do you know your, your background? Because I know we didn't really stick to much of this, these backgrounds, as pre-written. Yeah, it, it mentions that I'm a cousin, and that's about it. Ah, yeah. So, so you got the family thing going on. Did you feel like you were constrained by that? That you you had to play a part that was. It kind of, it felt to me that I was forced into uh, being the leader of the party. Yeah, because it's 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 your issue. Yeah, it's my issue, and, up, that, yeah. and I'm trying to like go. Come on, guys, my family's in trouble. I don't know you, but would you mind helping out? And then it's yeah, it was yeah, it was a bit awkward to, to start off with, and then I think when everyone realised actually, yeah. Um, if we want to keep on playing this, we might have to like uh, just just go yeah. along with it. As, as a DM, me. I think you know. I mean, in a way, it is that again that standard dungeon crawl adventure. Well, it's not dungeon crawl, like that standard murder hobo adventure, which is you're a load of, of strangers thrust together, right? Okay, um, so that you don't have to come up with backstories. You know, it's already written there for you. It's fine, but you don't have to remember much of it either. So it's it's quite bare bones. Whereas if you were all related, then they didn't detail about that sort of stuff. And people who weren't necessarily happy with inventing their own details would would feel like yeah. Some of the guys wanted they they contacted you, contacted you beforehand, didn't they? And they said, well, I want to be a druid, or I want to be this. Um, I think the, the deal the deal that I made was that no one would roll their own character because yeah. when we started, we had nine people. So I had to do different characters for people. So, um, you know, you couldn't just play copies. In the end, we had two identical halfling thieves because, you know, Jen started and, mm. um, and, and Spiros was, was still playing as, um, as, as the, the pre-gen halfling. And I thought, right, okay, well, we'll do this. But the only way it works is if they're brother and sister. So we, we did that and that, that was interesting for a little while. It but, was, yeah, uh, I think were they, Jen really. Were they? Jen. Yeah. I, I think I, I completely missed that bit. <laughs> I had no idea uh, that they were related in the in the story. Or that you'd crafted it that way. They sort of kept it um on the down low in terms of what they were doing, but yeah, they, they did play it, but um it wasn't a central thing, you know, they 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 played it like they, they didn't spend much time together as brother and sister, but they were like they just you know they weren't close. So I got some requests for people to come in and some people uh, didn't actually ask me to, to write a, a character for them at all. They didn't have any request. Um, so I made it up and it just, it was whatever made sense to me uh, and helped me go through character creation as well. So luckily by that time, there were enough details in the, the free PDF guide and then later the player's handbook that I could create characters. So what we ended up with, we had an elven druid who went the shapeshifter route. Uh, who's played by Dax. And let's plug Dax. Alex Lorian, otherwise known as Dax, is a published author. Look him up on Facebook. Uh, he's really funny. Um, and he's got stuff on Amazon. Digital stuff. It's really cheap. Download it. It's funny and make you laugh. Unless you're religious, in which case it will offend you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so so we had that going on and we had um and to be fair i i missed dax he, he brought yeah. a lot of humor and smut <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah definitely lots of smut yeah some people who listen to the two first episodes we have so inspectors and the first Fandelva thing you'll hear people banging the table three times and that is from uh, a standard procedure we'd established for for Dax's character that when he was an animal he couldn't communicate you know in in speech so when he shifted into his beast form or whatever as as a druid that he had uh, one tap for yes two taps for no and three for insert smutty innuendo so um (laughs) which outlived his character in fact yeah so it was uh, it was quite sad that he, he couldn't cut that we lost quite a few people actually, especially Dax because I know I, I I actually missed having Dax about in the end. Yeah, um, well that that's inevitable though. Um, I mean he got he got a new job um, and he got very poor and uh, you know it, it, you know and I, I still hope he's going to come back actually. Yeah, me too. Um, and I was still still in touch with him, but um, you know he's 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 always welcome back. You know, he's, uh, Good lad. There was um, we had a few people drop out. Uh, so some of the pre-generated um, characters from the actual set uh, dropped out. So Simon, who was the uh, the high elf mage, ended up dropping out because we changed nights, and he, he only has one night a week where he's free. Um, so yeah, that that would all come in and come out, and then we had people guesting as well. Like um, yeah, that's my bad. We had. <laughs> no, that, that was cool. So, um, you know, you, you let me know that you'd have someone come along just for a night or something. So I just rolled up this half walk bard who then became the guest character. Mm. So, so I think, um, we had someone come along for a couple of, a couple of weeks. Uh, one person come along for one week playing that character and things like, um, what else was there? There was, there was a, uh, the, the, the part in the party played by, Adam Astley, uh, O'Rath Rockseeker, um, was originally a dwarf barbarian played by Mike's mate. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for, for one session, who helped you kill a dragon. And then we sort of retconned <laughs> it that it was actually Adam's character <laughs> who did that. And uh, so he sort of stole his kill in the most amazing way. <laughs> but I like I like the barbarian character, actually. That was a lot of fun. But it gave us a chance to see other character types, so, you know, other character classes. Which which I like, you know, um, and it gave me a, a good idea of how to generate characters, so I I can help you when you're doing yours for the next thing. So out of the characters that we finished with, um, how many of those weren't part of the original pre-gen set? Of those, uh, Orath was not. Uh, Jen, Jen's character. Jen, no, Jen was. Jen was. She was part of the. She wasn't part of the original set of people who who started the adventure. Ah, but was. But hers is is from the pregen ah, right. in in the actual thing. Yeah. Um. There's there's only there's one halfling thief in there. Ah, right. Okay. Uh, or halfling rogue, sorry. Um. Uh. I just duplicated that. Ah, right. Okay. So hence they were twins. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just because I was lazy. I think everyone's favorite dragonborn sorcerer was a, a character I wrote. Mm. And that was simply because I was looking at the. Um, Tom just said, "Can I, can I, can I join in?" And at that point, I was like, "There's lots of people." I thought, like, "Yeah, I can come on in." And, and I was just looking at a character, and I thought, um, "What don't we have? We don't have a lot of magic so far, so let's have this." And I like the idea of the wild mage. I was looking through, and, and in sorcerers, you've got two options, and that is, you've got a, a dragon origin. So dragon blood origin, so someone in your family back in the day got it on with a dragon kind of thing. 
uh, or there was some magical mishap or something anyway. So it means that means that you are genetically related to a dragon in some way, and that's where your magic comes from. Or it's uh, the wild mage, and they'll come out with more eventually. And the wild mage is just shit happens, man. You know, um, your your magic cause. That's it, just because. So I was looking at him and I thought, right, I want a dragonborn character. But what about a dragonborn character who's a sorcerer? And it just amused me that it would be a dragonborn who doesn't have the dragon origin sorcery class. So it's kind of, no one knows what to make of him. So I made all of his cantrips into um, dragon breath weapons. So all of his cantrips are like acid splash, fire, um, ray of frost, that sort of, all dragon stuff that you would get. So he's got all, all colours of, of dragon breath weapons essentially as his cantrips, plus his own lightning breath weapon. And so he's sort of more dragonborn than any other dragonborn, but he's just, he's got this origin which is completely not dragonborn. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it just sort of amused me how that went, but, um, I kind of get the feeling that he really would, would have rather played a, uh, a smash it and, uh, you know, bust through the door type character. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think he wants to hit stuff with a big hammer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, how we progress though now in in the the starter set the pre-gen characters have all these this this progression going up to where is it up to fifth level which is huge you know and you can go up to fifth level in this campaign i think where we left it you had just got to just under level four and when we start up again because it'll be a couple of months later in in the plot um i'll just level you up right because you know it's like you don't sit there and learn nothing while you're in town you know so you you practice you spar you you know you you develop new spells you, you figure stuff out you know you do stuff so uh, you'll all be level four but this goes up to level five and it's just sort of spelled out for you so um the fighters for example they both take the champion um prestige class the sorry the the archetype and everyone listening in america it's archetype not archetype for fuck's sake <laughs> Wizards of the Coast, what are you doing? Uh, I don't care if it's American English and therefore correct in their country, it's wrong. What would the Queen say? Although we'll we'll give you we'll give you aluminum. No, we bloody won't. Uh, Actually, no. They can have they can have they can have aluminum if they stop saying I could care less. When what they mean is I couldn't care less. The the reason I say about the aluminum thing is, and because this was always my go-to thing when describing. Um, American versus English, uh, they're right. They are actually correct in that it was an American guy who discovered it, it was an American guy who named it, and it was only when us Brits got hold of it and went, oh, we don't like the way this is spelt, and added an extra I into it, uh, that the pronunciation changed for us. So so those are all, all, all planned out. So the um, the fighters both become champions. The the, the mage beca- uh, picks evocation as his school. The cleric um, picks life as his uh, as his domain, domain. I think it's called. Um, the the thief, sorry, the the rogue becomes a thief, and I decided that I'd let you just do your own, just figure it out yourselves, because the the starter set obviously was written thinking someone might you know blitz through this before the core books come out, or maybe we'll put the core books back a bit. Um, so they wanted it to be able to, to stand alone, but I let you go off on it, and so Lord Robert became a battlemaster. Yep, which is very much like a uh, a, a warlord from fourth edition. 
there's um, uh, Mike, you actually multiclassed. I did. And ended up breaking the rules so hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. How many extra... You got about a million extra spells because I wasn't taking notice of how many spells you were doing. I to be honest, I, I didn't know how to do it, so I just assumed that I had them, so... Yeah, like... Um, so, or you look at it and go, well, like, I'm a level 3 character now, I must be a level 3 paladin. Yeah. And it's not. It's like you, you level up like from level 1, so you, you become uh, a, a level 2 priest. You know, level 2 cleric. Level 1, level yeah. Level 1 paladin. It was fun. And, and you get what, you know... Yeah. Whereas in, in 4th edition, what happened was, uh, when you multiclass, you take a multiclass feat. So instead of having two classes, you only ever stay with the one class... But you just get a couple of bits and pieces from another class. You just get like a little kit, um, some co- a couple of moves to add on, and that's it. Whereas in fifth edition, it's much more like classic D and D, where you just level up as one level of that character, um, as as if you'd started again, kind of thing. But you just add it to your original one. Uh, so you got paladin and uh, cleric, and I really enjoyed briefly... doing the paladin stuff. Uh, pretty much yeah. any game that I play, I usually play the Paladin. Even though you can't pronounce it. Yes, I know, I know. Paladin. Paladin, yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I do apologise. Please, for the next one, can you can you play Saladin the Paladin? Saladin the Paladin. <laughs> 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 yeah, like so you like to to hit things with holy for, with holy might and yeah, smite and things. I like the uh, buffing abilities and the. Yeah, and the healing and all that. I, I, I... Uh, well, in World of Warcraft, for example, um, I, I'd play a paladin because it's a solo class, and I don't like playing World of Warcraft and going on raids and joining guilds and things. So it's, it's a good. The paladin is always a good solo character. It's a good so it's someone who can hold their own yeah. and fill a lot of gaps in in the party. So you don't have to be that the healer who's stuck healing people. No, you yeah. You can multi-roll, can't you, really? It's it's a versatile class. Yeah. I mean, I did like what they did with the, the cleric, though. I mean, the cleric went back to being a good old hit-him-in-the-face kind of cleric. The cleric definitely took some getting used to. Yeah. Well, the the cleric is is a, is a, an interesting is an interesting thing in D&D. Because it started off like, if you're healing, that's all you're doing. Uh, and even at the start, as a first level cleric in basic and first edition D and D, gets no spells, right. so you're fucking useless. Uh, it's still a sort of hit in the face kind of person, but you, you literally can't do anything. More, much more like the paladin is now. And if you heal someone, that's your go done. You know, once you once you start leveling up, so you have to exchange those heals for attacks that you might do. Right. Because I think me and Adam were the people with the highest armor class. So yeah, yeah, we, we had to be the tanks, didn't we? And I had to heal and everything else. It was just it was a really odd balance that you, you have to strike with it. Well, well, I mean, saying that you spent quite a bit of it just essentially getting in there and wailing in with your your hammer. I think it was kind of only halfway through the various sessions that we did. You actually said to the group, "I think I've been playing this character wrong. I need to stay back and do a bit more spell casting." Yeah, mm. you suddenly realised you had a lot of things to, that you could do. That you yeah. Were. So I mean, what was it specifically? What what was that moment when you when that dawned on you? Was um, it just you you hadn't read the sheet properly? Yeah, or? yeah, pretty much that was it. I, everyone was dying, and we were using the druid as a healer, weren't we? And he yeah. and he 
didn't have any healing spells. Well, he had one, and as I was looking through my character sheet, I realised I had two, plus I had plus six to healing as well. So I was like, oh shit, I'm the healer. <laughs> so I'm there, I'm there <laughs> trying to wade through people, and then I should have been <laughs> standing back and healing them. Well, one of, one of the key things about 5th edition clerics that they brought over from 4th edition was that they made at least one of your healing spells a bonus action. Yes. So, or, or in 4th edition terms, a minor action. So you can still attack and heal someone, but it does less healing than if you spend you know, your action actually healing someone. And that is immensely useful. So it means that you don't get nerfed onto the sidelines. You don't have to choose at the start of a battle. Are you going to hang back? Are you going to go forward? You've got flexibility now. Yeah, which I didn't realise. Which I didn't realise. So, uh, and and as a level one paladin, you do get some healing ability as well, but not a lot. And no. um, I think it works out that you just have a, this pool of hit points that you've got. You can, you know, like view as five yeah, hit points you can dish you can out yeah. per day. The the paladin was so good. I think it, if I, if it was a level three paladin, that's what I, I would love to play. That I really did enjoy that. You know, when we were fighting. The, uh, the dragon and yeah. I had I, and you, sorry I'll, I'll put my teeth back in um, <laughs> when I had the focus of the dragon on me and I was just like dodging and what have you that that there yeah. that was that was like what I wanted yeah, that, to play that would be exactly what a third level paladin would do like as a first level paladin you wouldn't have had the spells that you had like compelled duel for example yeah. so OP <laughs> um, for the level you were but but a, a, a really good thing. But having sanctuary as well just meant it's like, yeah, I got the buffs, I got the debuffs, whatever. And as long as you have enough people piling damage on, then you know you can you can hold your own. Yeah. Um. And that was that was a really good thing. There's a lot of synergy there. I I did not nerf that dragon one bit. Right. Um. So that that dragon was going hell for leather, like pulling out the breath weapon first thing, you know, for start. Um. It was bringing out the big guns. Which. Yeah, which did a huge amount of damage straight oh, off. Yeah. I think you said at the time you were kind of like you were you were essentially on recharge on it, weren't you? And you were only like on the cusp of being able to use it again or something. Yeah. Um, basically, I I once you'd killed it, I rolled one more time and it would have recharged its breath weapon. <laughs> and if it had, it would have killed all of you fuckers. I mean, it, I think it took everyone down to at least half hit. It points did, yeah. yeah. On this, mm. Even though the dwarves were immune. But yeah, having having that ability to buff and debuff once once you get it going and you select your spells right, you pr- can properly power game um, and and come out with as long as you've got the time to do it, you can come out with something that's virtually unstoppable. It was pretty much how um, I was used to playing that class, which is why I was probably enjoying it because it was familiar. So where were you used to playing it from? Um, Neverwinter Nights, Dungeon Siege, but I play World of Warcraft a lot. Oh. So yeah, the the. Um... Back when I used to play Warcraft, it was um, uh, me and Cheryl actually just used uh, one character between us and leveled it up all the way, and then got bored. Um, and that that was a, a high elf paladin, a sun elf paladin. Oh yeah, yeah, it was stupid the amount of just compound buffs and debuffs. Um, but that's what I enjoyed. Yeah, that, that that's what I enjoyed in the, in the end. I was, you know, the debuffing yeah. and whatever. That's it's a perverse kind of fun for me. So. It's it's not perverse at all. You want it to be dirty, don't you? <laughs> I do, but I it's do. not. <laughs> um, so, uh, Biddy, let's let's talk about Lord Robert. Yeah, it, do you know what? It was the first time I think I'd ever played a balanced character. 
um, because all the various other characters I'd played previously, um, I'd done myself, and I inevitably do them badly. I always try and spread myself too thin and end up being not very good in particularly anything. Spark syndrome. Yeah, so um, having quite a nice, evenly spread out, uh, well, well balanced character was a real pleasure to to play. Also, once I started to upgrade and I did get the Battle Master, the initial skills that I picked were quite selfish. They were very specifically kind of like, you know, repost and parry and stuff like that. Mm. From the full spectrum, though, there were quite a few in there that would have been more beneficial for the party, which I think would have been very interesting to play further down the line once you started to introduce them as you leveled up. Yeah, I, I like that actually. In that it's not just okay, you're going to be a battle master. You're going to be someone who directs battle. Mm. It's you're going to be a battle master. You've got more options in combat now, and it adds it adds a lot of flavor. So you can be they're just okay. I just want to play a character who um, has lots of interesting things to do in combat, but isn't a monk. You know? I think you made the comment, Adam, that um, you hadn't killed anyone. Yeah, I mean, um... considering you were the fighter. Oh, I, I can remember after the session uh, where the dragon had got killed, ranting at someone, one of my friends who doesn't have a clue about any of this stuff and just very politely <laughs> sat there and let me go on, about the fact that someone who'd never played before, and it was their first ever game, slayed a fucking dragon, and I've been playing this for months and I've yet to kill anything. <laughs> Which, yeah. don't, don't get me wrong, enjoying every second of it, but yeah, I, I think it was when we got to the castle when I actually just genuinely started slaying things but prior to that I've yeah. just been laying down damage and that was about it I mean I, th- I think in in a way that kind of bled through a bit like uh, uh, your character's first kill you were so happy that you'd actually made that kill yeah. that your character was happy about it you know so you, you role played that, that way and it, in my head I was thinking like do I make you roll a sanity check because this is your first, the first time you've ended a life. Do you know what I mean? You know, mm. do I, um, do I make you role play this as like, this is a bad thing, you know, but like, no, but you, you sort of took it and rolled it and going, yeah, fuck these goblins, <laughs> which was, which was consistent with the character anyway. What, what he'd always been saying about, you know, the, um, the, the barbaric races as it were. I, do you know what? If you'd done that though, I, I probably would have been completely down with that in the, I have absolutely no issue. I know some people get very nervous about doing stuff like this because it, it goes. Oh no! Don't get me wrong. On the next one, you're my bitch. Oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> but no, people do get quite nervous about having things introduced based on a dice roll because it's not how they view it in their head, and it's possibly taking them in a direction that they don't want. Whereas I enjoy yeah. the the challenge of trying to integrate that. So, like when I did the dice roll to see how racist I was. I was fully prepared that if I rolled, inc- you know, rolled really badly and rolled a one or something, just to start yes, playing as an absolutely badly. bigoted, bigoted character. But I luckily rolled a natural twenty, <laughs> so you know, it all, all ended reasonably well, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, but, one of your very um, few natural twenties. <laughs> uh, so, in terms of uh, the battlemaster thing, what 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 I kind of liked about how you were playing the character. Even before you got the battle master, is that you're not content to go. I hit it with my axe and then just go. It's I want to do this. Yeah. Um, I... So and I, and I think I think that's something that fate teaches people and maybe inspectors a little bit is where you just go. I want to do this and it's up to the DM to say, well, that's this role and that's that role. 
So in, rather than looking at your sheet, and, and again, it's it's a bit more of a, of a computer game attitude. It's like, I've got a button to press. That's the button I press to do this thing. So you think, oh, well, I've just got a basic attack. What do I do? Oh, I, I, I hit it with my with my axe or, you know, I, I hit it with my sword or here comes another arrow kind of thing. But you've got flavor with it. And even if it ends up just being, yeah, just roll it normal, whatever, it could be that you talk yourself into advantage or you talk yourself into me giving you a chance to do something cool. Um, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I, I want to, um, like spin around and, uh, do a feint like this, or whatever. And there's no mechanic that lets you do that. You know, there are powers later that you get, you know, abilities you get that specifically give you that stuff. But you know what? Roll me, roll me a dexterity check. Roll me, you know, so like, you know, uh, was it Lord Robert jumping over every fucking table? <laughs> yeah, I, no matter what character I play and what his stats are, I just, always try and do acrobatics even if I've got horrendous deck skills. I just go for it and just pray that the dice roll is good enough. I think the funniest bit you did was when you decided to run around the long way to try and Oh! Yeah. Okay, right. Okay, this this is okay. This so this is one of the the we're now going to get into the into the plot. All right, because we're we're getting there. It's a natural progression. What happened in the sessions that we didn't record? Well, you know, so many people have done recordings of the Goblin Caves, but no one has done a record of what happens in Fandalin, including us. But we'll we'll recap it a little bit. So going to Fandalin, there's a a, a derelict house that used to be the Lord's residence, and it's been moved into, and the, the the basement levels are being used by this gang. The gang is headed by a magic user called Glassstaff, and uh, you've only got a rumor that he might be a wizard, all that sort of stuff. He's gone out. So while you're going through this, this it's basically a mini dungeon crawl, and there's there's four, five dungeon crawls in this game, um, which is a lot. Um, when you see homebrew adventures and things like that, there are hardly ever any because people don't like drawing maps like that. So um, you guys went through and, and killed everything and kicked every ass, <laughs> and ended up chasing this wizard through most of the of the map. And hot on his heels. Now, he had a bag stashed in like a, a, a big water butt, essentially. And he had got to that bag at the point at which he got shot in the back. So you just about got to him, just about managed to no, loosen out. No, he, he, um, he went for the bag and we'd picked it up before. Yeah, you'd, yeah, you'd already yeah. picked it up. So, so he was looking for it. And that was what delayed him by um, one round. To me, otherwise you wouldn't have got him. But um, Lord Robert decided that he, he, he'd sort of cut him off at a pass, which which was not the thing to do. Yeah, that that was well, no, it was exactly the thing to do because that was his way out. Ah, right, okay. He, you know, he wasn't going to go up the stairs through the town. He was going to go the secret back way that get him out through the woods, neck a bottle of you know potion of invisibility, change clothes, and be gone. And yeah, that would have happened. I, I appreciate. So he'd, he'd have come up later. I appreciate there was a tiny bit of meta gaming involved because obviously as out of character I could see the outline but I, I genuinely looked at it as we've been in this place long enough and looked around long enough and have a general idea of what's above it in sizes and stuff that my character would have a suspicion that the passageway that we hadn't explored would meet up at the, well, the no, main you'd... chamber so I yeah no, yes. no, that's, that's exactly right because you, you did sort of explore that a bit you just never went through the door but yeah, you'd, you'd absolutely go. Oh right, there's you know, you'd know exactly where you were. Yeah, my, 
so my my theory was that I was going to be at a because com- I knew if we went back the way we came, the you know there were the, there was the um, the pit that we had to get around and all various other different things. I was praying that there was going to be nothing on the other side, and I've <laughs> got to admit, all the way down that long corridor that we hadn't discovered, I was convinced at any minute I was going to trip over a trip wire or stand on some. <laughs> Something that would release the poison darts, anything. And I was astonished actually when I got to the end of it and there wasn't yeah. anything. Well, what I was planning uh, was that he knew where everyone was chasing him from and he was running from this group of people. You know, they were, and they were hot on his heels. So, like, he would have been able to look over his shoulder and see him. And basically, if it hadn't been for that round and for some lucky rolls, um, you know, they were very, very close to losing him. But if he'd have run down that corridor, he'd have run into your axe. Mm. You know, like, you'd have got some crazy bonuses to hitting him. Um, and, you know, instant crit, because he's he's looking over his shoulder. He's not putting any uh, effort into protecting what's ahead of him, because he thinks he's on his way out. So, yeah, you'd literally sort of come in and go, open the door and go, oh, hello, you seem to have headbutted my axe very hard. Um, because that just makes sense. You know, if, so, if someone's running from, from an angry mob chasing them, they don't look in front of them, you know, it's, uh, unless... You know, they don't expect trouble in front. So, you know, in front is where the, where the safety is. So, yeah, that, that, that would have been how that went down. So it was a very sensible thing to do. And it was, it was a good role playing thing to do. Cause yeah, your character's going, yeah, everyone's going that way. Someone needs to guard the back. So, um, and you knew that was the way out as well. You know, you could see daylight. That, that's how it, it's how I like combat to go. I don't want people to sit there and go, oh, I'll just shoot another thing or I'll just, I'll just swing my sword or whatever. I mean, sometimes it does get like that. Like, you know, it's a bit of war of attrition and you're, you're in the right place to do what you want to do and you're just doing it over and over again. But I think that's my, my cue as a DM to throw something at you. And I am learning. You I know, think so you got annoyed uh, though, didn't you? Because we kept on asking you, um, okay, what, what next? What next? Is this next? So, oh, so do we need to roll this for that now? I think because you ended up, uh, you ended up sellotaping that thing to, to your board, didn't you? No, no. Well, it, uh, well, uh, if, if it seemed like I was uh, irritated, I apologise, but um, I, I really wasn't. It's um, I, I like doing little bits and pieces and prompts, and I, I like doing things that solve a problem. So that that's why I, I sellotaped all the oh. actions to think, because because it was like there's a lot of things you can do as an action, and as new players, you kind of need that information. So um, the first instance, I sellotaped the thing to the top to the front of my screen. And then it turned out the screen was blocking my voice from the mic. So, I, and then I got the the smaller, official one, and, and I just gave you bits of paper with all the, the things on. And it wasn't because I was annoyed at all. It was it was because I wanted you to have all your options in front of you mm. without having to stop the flow, so that while other people are doing things, you could think about what you're going to do rather than sort of get to what you want to do. Go well. What about this, that, and the other? And then for me to go, well, well, that's that, and and, and sort of. Well, you interrupt. You the included plans. a rule, didn't you? Say that like, you had to have like your action or movement like thought of as it comes round to you, because. Well, I, I don't, it wasn't really a rule. It was just like um, just be ready to go. Yeah, I think just for simple, uh, you know, fluidity of play. I mean, that's just a good general rule for everyone to to have. But to be honest, it was me expecting delays because with fourth edition, it's a massive, massive problem, and especially for spellcasters. Um, but like fourth edition, basically every class is a caster essentially, because you've got just lists of powers that you've got and and cards that you, you're sort of flicking through, and 
when it gets to someone's turn, they just go, um, uh, what? Like, I, I played 4th edition and Pathfinder before this. Um, and there was, there was the same guy there. I'm not going to name him. And he's, he was a great guy. He's a good role player, but he was in five different games each week. And he couldn't remember each set of powers. So when it came around to his turn, he was still choosing what he was going to do because he played really complicated characters. Like a Pathfinder Druid is so complicated because you've got every spell available to you. Um, and a, a mage character type thing or a warlock in 4th um, edition with all sorts of weird stuff going on. High level character as well. And so you'd come round and I'd be sitting there with all my cards sorted out and go, right, okay. So when it comes around to me, okay, I'm doing this and this. And if, and if that changed halfway through, then I'd have my backup. So I'm like, this is what I'm doing. And then I've got my backup stuff in case someone does something that means that it's not going to happen mm. anymore. And so uh, I'd always be just like, just there, just there. And you'd get round to, to, to other people and be like, um, hmm, let me look through everything that I've got first. And then, and it just drags. Yeah. And that, that's, that is a criticism of fourth edition. To be I, I found it a bit frustrating when there was nine of us. I mean, cause I think it's because everyone was new that mm. I knew what I was going to do and wait yeah. for nine people to then go, so do I have to roll a, a, a 20 sided dice for this now and ask it? <laughs> There's so many questions being asked. It was just it yeah. was very frustrating, but I'm, I'm, I'm guessing that's just how it, how it is, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I, I you know, remember we, we talked about splitting into two groups and stuff, but I was happy to have nine characters or nine nine player characters because I knew that people were going to drop out. I, I know that's a thing. I mean, I've I've run a martial arts class for long enough that I know that people turn up and um, you can't tell who's going to stay. You know, someone who's, who's really dead keen and has like bought all the stuff and, is, and then comes for two sessions and mm. then you never see him again. Hi. <laughs> I, I, I was I was a little no, bit better. Were, I was you, I was better than two like, sessions, but I, it's been a while. Shall we say? For, you came for a couple of years. <laughs> Come on. Mm. Um. So. Um. And no, that's that's not a dig. Um, no, no, it's okay. Don't worry. It was. But, it um, was. Yeah, but I, I, I will end. I'm currently looking at my swords on the top of my wardrobe, collecting dust. <laughs> uh, anyway, so yeah, I mean, people are always going to drop out, and that, that's fine. Mm. You know what I mean, and and so we ended up with. A group of people who could do, you know, a regular night who are willing to commit to it and, 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 and ended up bonding. I mean, um, I think it's, I, I didn't say it at the time, but it was like, you know, when uh, Alex was talking about, you know, she, she's, she's moving because she's got a college thing yeah. to do. She was saying, you know, so the only thing keeping, keeping her in Manchester was us. No, I, heard that, I mean, yeah. I know she meant that. Yeah. Yeah. She, she was, she was on, she, you know, she honestly, you know, meant, meant that in the case of, well, there's nothing keeping him in Manchester kind of thing. Because obviously she'd go in and, and yeah. you know. But that was like, you know, that the we were a thought in that. That we yeah, were was, like, yeah, you know, this is something that... that kind is, of warming almost, is, yeah. Yeah, it was very touching. Um, and that's that's why I'm I'm keen on making the effort. Um, yeah, it's okay. to, to sort of make sure we can get Skype. And we can, by the way. I can do it on my phone, it's fine. Um, and, and so, you know, we'll we'll be having her Skyping in. And, I'll, you know, I'll just have to make it work technically. You know, and I think you know, like to think that we're all you know becoming friends. And some some people I knew before, obviously the two Adams I've, I've known yeah. before. But we do have a good laugh. We do, yeah. And it's and it's it's good stuff. Like and people are up for doing other things. So it's you know, given that sense of you know, we 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 had that shakedown session that we're we're, we're now a coalition of the willing, you know, the other people who can and want to yeah. be there. To be honest, um, I was very nervous about coming. Um, I, I I brought my box set from um, and mm-hmm. going in there, it's it, it yeah. smells 
star. <laughs> and it's just full of people who I would never want to spend any time with. Like, I, I could probably sit down with all of them. I could probably chat shit about Star Wars, Star Trek and all that with the, with the best of them. But yeah. I just didn't want to spend any time with them. I get what, no, I, I get that completely. Like in Travelling Man, it's a different crowd. Yeah, well, what um, I've learned. They're, they're much nicer. But then yeah. I walked in and then I think for the first time and Alex was there, this big flamboyant guy. And then you in the corner, like with your pint of Guinness, like reading this book. I thought, what have I got myself into here? Then, then as everyone else was arriving, there was like, "All oh, right, actually, people are actually." I don't want to use the word normal, but yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Not special. Mm. Yeah. So that 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 was a big um, worry for me. I'd actually, for, yeah, um, I mean, I'd forgotten that we'd had our session first session in there. Yeah. Well, for, for uh, all of about twenty minutes. <laughs> before we thought, "Fuck this shit! It's too loud." Yeah. Yeah. Too smelly. Too warm. Yeah. I mean. It's actually a bad shot, but I know what you mean. The, the atmosphere is very much it's the it's the competitive card game players oh, God. Um, who have a certain sweat smell. Uh, it, it, there wasn't a woman in there, that, and they all just they were all greasy. They were all yeah. they were all overweight. And I opened the door, and you know it's like like a, a ye old tavern style, like, and yes. everyone stopped what they were doing. To turn around and yeah. look at me, I was like, I'm, "I'm." Well, they 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 do their thing. It's it's um. I don't want to badmouth them too much because they're a decent place. They but they've it's definitely its own scene, and that is the competitive card game, collectible card game stuff like Magic mm-hmm. the Gathering, Yu Gi Oh, that sort of stuff. And you know, like one of the people who works there, like is is something like number one in the UK. Really, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's really hardcore, but it's it's a specific crowd, and and you can sometimes feel like you're not included in that. Saying crowd. that, when I went to buy my dice, because I didn't realise the um, box that it came with, like, some randomer came out and like, stood up, stopped playing his game, and he actually came over to talk to me and said, "Look, you know, I've, I haven't seen you here before. What what do you play?" And you know, I, I told him what I was what I was trying to do, and he did point me in the right direction. So they were nice people. They are. It's just, just wouldn't want to spend any time with them. If that makes so. Mm. Probably edit edit that out, yeah. but yeah, it's fine. <laughs> well, so they're not going to give us any free no. stuff. <laughs> okay, so, so let's 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 go through. So, um, in terms of the adventure itself, what was it you liked from the adventure? Like, what was what was what was the best moment in in the in the, the campaign so far for um, Lord Robert? Um, ooh, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, the first kill was uh, a long time coming. Um, I'm not really quite sure to be honest. I I. Edit this bit out, because I can't think of anything. I've been caught short. Um... Mike, you any thoughts? My favourite moment for Adam was his his decision to run round the long way and then just regret it turn after turn. After <laughs> yeah, turn. yeah, okay. As, as yeah. we were all getting closer <laughs> to him, like jumping over the bloody gap, throwing stuff and what have you, and he was there going, yeah, I run for, for, for this round, and then everyone goes to me next. Well, I'm bloody chucking stuff at him, and Eliza's firing her arrows, and yeah, I'll just uh, run around the corner here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. In that case, then my favourite bit in the session is two weeks after we finish playing that campaign, and Paul confirms that that was the correct thing to do. That was my favourite <laughs> yeah. bit in the campaign. Fair play. Yeah. Um, so. Mike, what about Zane? It was probably the the, the Goblin Cave because I think that that's the first time everyone got used to their characters 
and was playing them not 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 correctly but we were, we were all gelling then we were all understanding the mechanics and we were having a lot of fun with it i think that was probably my so the the first sort of major combat soon in the, in the in the caves before you get to the town. yeah where where it floods and like we yeah. we're all we're all like well how the fuck it's flooding what do we do and then we're all looking at each other going well i think we just strap on and fucking hope we don't get swept away uh, all that there that was like what I thought D and D would be, like a, a group of people hmm. together, like solving a problem and, and being in the shit and solving it together. I think that that it really epitomised what I thought it would be. Any bits of the um, campaign that you thought were just why the fuck are we doing this? You know, any any bad points about it? You know, at all? I mean, a lot, I know we've talked a bit about um, various things that are badly written in there and things that are well written and, you know, and stuff that doesn't make sense but anything sort of jumps out uh, as a player or uh, as a character just the, gen- um, would, just the you... general pacing of it it just it was too slow uh, as soon as you got used to the yeah. mechanics of your character in the game you just wanted it to pick up i that was yeah there's too much too much opportunity to yeah. grind i think it, it just it, it needed um, to get on with it it, it yeah and yeah, here's a town. Let's talk to every NPC and who's going to give yeah, quests. I think that, that, yeah, that was probably the low point. Getting to the town yeah. and then going right, okay, we dumped everything off, and then right, okay, what next? Right, well, let's go farm for quests. It was just like, oh shit, yeah. hell, come on! And 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 there were six people farming for quests. So usually yeah, you're just one yeah, person yeah. just yeah. going, yep, 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 and then going. So yeah, that that was probably the uh, lowest point for me. Yeah, I think that 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 to me was very awkward doing Vandalin. Was everyone going off doing their thing, which you'd expect in a town almost, you know? And and there are there are better ways of doing it, you know. Like let's roll a streetwise check. The streetwise is a day, and I think I had you sort of you doing investigation stuff, and it just went right. Okay, you're spending the whole day. It's one one roll because I was getting tired of all this. Well, we go here, and then I go here, and then I go here, and then you go here, and I had to spend time with each person individually, which wasn't the way to go. And it wasn't that it was frustrating. It was it was I was cutting out everyone else at that point and saying, right, I'm just going to talk to you now. Everyone else might as well get a bar. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it's just, that, that bit was very awkward for me. So, Adam? Again, I'm having trouble trying to think of anything. I'm, I'm real, <laughs> I, it, I think actually, this is testament to the fact that I actually thought in general, it was quite good in that I'm having trouble trying to find something that was terrible yeah. and something that was brilliant. And therefore, I think in general, it tippy-toed along quite well. Actually, mm. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm slightly a bit more of a role player uh, than I don't know how much more than anyone else who's there. So I actually I quite enjoy the going around the towns and talking to people and interacting mm. with people. Um, I enjoy yeah, some that people like process. rolling dice and power gaming. Some people like you know talking to NPCs with funny voices. Yeah, well, uh, and continuously varying accents <laughs> despite their best efforts. Um, so yeah. Um, Again, yeah, it go from the sound of it. Uh, some of the quests did very much sound like utterly unnecessary angles that just didn't need to happen. I think it. I think it all could have been interwoven in a far more interesting way than just yeah. go here and then while you're there, you find out this bit of information. Yeah, I mean, I I, I did very deliberately. I think I said this in one of the the sessions, in the chat after the sessions, is that the information that was supposed to be given to this druid that you go to this town for and liberate this all this stuff for and make a deal with and blah blah blah, blah. I just gave to a goblin <laughs> because it made no sense 
that this goblin wouldn't know yeah, yeah. where his tribe lives. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I think that was a good choice, and it, it made sense. And I kind of re- actually, you know, what my biggest regret in the campaign was actually telling him to go away. I mm-hmm. really wish we'd kept hold of him and like had him as like a like group mascot. I wanted to keep him. <laughs> I wanted to keep him about, but oh, you wanted to kill him. I know, I know, and I, I hold my hands up and, and, and admit to that was being a mistake. Right, if I can note that. Yeah, but I, but I think, I think Lord Robert would have, I think that was a good, that was a good character decision, that Lord Robert wouldn't have mm, done that. Mm. Um, yeah, he wouldn't have wanted to keep him around as a mascot, he'd have wanted to, to off him. Um, or at the very least make him gone. But, but yeah. If you look at it as a starter edition, it's, it was, it's aimed at people who have never, well, who have never played fight, well, D and D before. Isn't it really? Yeah, and I think I think it's worth saying as well um, that as for for something that's aimed at someone who's maybe never DM before, that there's there needs to be a bit of handholding at the start to say all the details aren't in this book because I'm happy with that. You know, I've I've been reading modules forever, and I know that there's it's supposed to give you wiggle room, and it's this gives you enough that you can run a campaign and it'll be fairly straightforward and sort of you just go on with it. But there is space in it for you to start putting your own details in and start making changes. But there is nowhere in this starter set that says, you as the DM, make it up. If you don't like what's here, make it up. Yeah. You know, if you, if you think that this, you know, if you think that um, some things in here aren't, aren't how you want it to go, make it go a different way. And just just read the whole thing first, so you know what the whole thing is before you start changing things. In the player guide, it says like make these characters your own, and I think uh, yeah, I think if it, if that's not reflected in the DM saying make this campaign your own, then it's it's almost contradicting itself. I mean, it, it does say it does say you know like um, there's a couple of little directions for things like you know if you want to um, you know embody characters that's fine if you want to do funny voices that's fine but just you know there's a there's you're you're not given that carte blanche you're you're given this thing about um you know improvising based on what your characters are doing so you know uh, i want to do this outlandish thing okay uh well what does that mean in terms of a check uh, how, how do you improvise difficulty classes for mm. example um, so what is your DC for something? But it just says, you know, go for it. But it doesn't actually, it just, it doesn't say you have permission to make up your own stuff. You have permission to redraw the maps. You have permission to, to, you know, color in these, you know, or this is, a, this is a skeleton for you to do. You can stick to it or not. It's yeah. up to you. And as a starter set, like any other module will be fine. You'd understand that. But as a starter set, I think it needs that yeah. to say you've got license. Because to do people this. would pick that up and say, "Well, I've watched Game of Thrones and I hear this is similar. I'm guessing it's a bit like Jenga or Monopoly. You read them, <laughs> uh, you yeah. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna come yeah. from a gaming background or they're gonna come from a like a, a TV background. And I think it's, you know, it's, it's as the DM, what do you do? And it says, well, you're the referee, you're the storyteller, kind of thing. <clears throat> Um, let's have a look. Actually, I've got the, the play. So it's the narrator, the DM plays. Yeah, the DM is the narrator. He plays the monsters, and that's it. So basically, it says your job in this is to make up uh, difficulty classes, to be the narrator, and to play the monsters. 
But is then it, if you yeah. read the actual, you know, read the read the actual quest, I, from what you've said, it's it's difficult to do, and it and from playing it with you, it, it is sometimes very difficult. So um, yeah, you've like because the, the, the player is going to ask, well, why does that? Why is that there? Why does that make sense? That doesn't make sense because things don't. You because the the detail isn't there. You've got to make it up. But if you if you say, well, that detail isn't there, then it doesn't make yeah. sense. If the DM isn't competent, then he'll just go, um, "Well, yeah, it's." Well, if you've got an if you've got an incompetent DM, you should stop him DMing. <laughs> well, um, and, a... and in that in that way, they learn that they shouldn't be a DM. You but know? as a starter set, the average if the average person picks it up and decides, "Yeah, I can maybe DM with a bunch of mates," and as soon as awkward questions start getting asked, they're going to go, oh, "Well, fuck this," and yeah, well, something that um, that that. Wizards of the Coast are doing, and today is in fact the, the day we're recording is the fourth of March. It's actually um, it's it's been DM Appreciation Month, and it's uh, DM Day today. Um, you're all supposed to buy me presents and shit, and no one did. So fuck you. <laughs> um, but it they they've got this massive kick about supporting DMs. And if you read the Dungeon Master's Guide, we'll we'll go into it and we do the system um, episode for for five e. The DM guide is just, it's tools and tools and tools and tools. So it's lots of tables to roll on. It's lots of crunch, uh, presented really well, which basically goes, you want to roll? Here's maybe how you can which make it. Which is one why up. it's confusing why it wasn't released with the starter set, because that guide would have been perfect. Or, or those tables at least been perfect for. I, I, on, I honestly think that that would have been too. I mean, I needed it. As, as someone who'd already DM'd a couple of sessions of, um, basic edition, first edition type stuff. I needed the DM guide, but I think a new player probably wouldn't. Right, okay. Um, so, like, th- things like, I-, I just gave you some some choices about rules, and that was because I had my ear to the ground about what was going on, and then I got the DM guide, like, for, for crit rolls, for-, for crit rolls. You can either take max damage, or you can take rolling two die, and then add your modifier, mm. because it's the same probability, essentially. And that's in the DM guide. You know, that that is a sub rule that's there, and and in terms of what the resources they're putting out, the 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 who they're marketing D and D at, is basically that players will supply themselves, players will always come along, players will will happen, but what the, the DM starts and finishes your games yeah. is a DM, and if you've got no DM, you can't play, and I think that's what stopped me playing for you know twenty years. Mm. Yeah, you know, I, I desperately wanted to play, and I got second edition books when it was. But current. you couldn't find um, someone to DM with you. Yeah, and and I didn't have the confidence to go. Well, I'll do this, um, and I'll and I'll DM it. And I think the first time I ever technically DM'd a game or GM'd a game, it was Hero Quest, um, the the board game, and we decided just to keep playing off the board, and I was just literally making up everything. It well, you know, there's no dice rolls. Only I'd ask people to roll dice, just what to give me time while I thought of something. I mean, you know, I was like twelve this time, but like that was that was the first time I thought that was possible, and I didn't even put it together with D and D. But like, I think they're making a real effort this time to make DMing easier, uh, to put tools in your hand that make it easier. And I think they're going to come out with a lot of digital stuff later that'll do that. But one of the good things about the the DM guide, for instance, is you've got all the rules and things, and this is an entire section on adventures. And it's got random tables for you to roll literally anything that could ever happen. So it's okay, 
Uh, I don't know what I'm doing tonight. Roll a dice. Okay, it's going to be a dungeon. <laughs> Roll a dice. What's the first room in it? It's this. What does the door look like? Roll a die. And it's all there. And so, okay, uh, there's a trap. Roll a, Roll a die. The trap is this. Um, so who built this thing? Roll a die. There's the villain. And it's really down to like what character quirks they have what um you know what color the walls are you know it's it's so granular but also vague enough to cover just about anything in the in the D vein that you can literally just roll die and you could almost play it solo well i mean that's that's a, i mean that's just a great tool to have for anything because i mean if you create a campaign you need to create a dungeon i mean you might be able to decide well this is in it and this is what the goal is but actually getting to the nitty-gritty of how many corridors, how many rooms, what's this? I mean, just having tables that you can refer to if you want to just mm. randomly generate it um, yourself. They they also figure that there's enough online stuff in terms of generating a map, mm. that you kind of don't need that. But it's stuff like, you know, the villain table is brilliant. Um, so it's, okay, roll this, roll this, okay, it's this type of villain. Um, based on that roll, look at this table, roll again. What power set do they have? What personality type do they have? Why are they a villain? What are their goals? And you roll for all of it. So based on that, you just get these these little vignettes and you create this sentence and you go, right, well, there's my plot. So, um, I mean, you could do a solo adventure with the DM guide. You could. Uh, it'd be weird, but you could. <laughs> or, or like just have, if you've got two people, then you can do a two, uh, two-player two adventure and no DM. Because hmm. you don't know what's coming next. You know, just do a dungeon crawl where, you know, you open the door, roll the dice, see what's in there. Um, not much story, but you know, still yeah, you can play D and D, and I think that's, um, I think that's something that's been missing since first edition. I've got, I've got one last question for you, and that's um, in terms of the fifth edition rule sets. I'm not going to like ask you like, what do you like about five E because you've got some have stuff to compare it to. But um, what what to you was like the hardest thing to learn, or the, the thing that you just like just picked up straight away? I think for me personally, it was actually the thing that taught me this lesson was playing Spectres, which is you don't mm. say I am going to do this and then roll. It's saying I want to do this, rolling and then finding out what actually happens. It's yeah. that yeah. actually being able to I get want your to head do around. something athletic-y, yeah. you know. I want to do something sort of tricky. Roll a die. Yeah. Okay, right. This that's what it means. It's yeah. it's being able to get into your head that you're not rolling. You know, to do something. Events in that I have had this idea, and I'm going to try yeah. and implement it. But then the dice roll determines on how it actually goes, which I think was it was an interesting concept. It's not. It's not like it, it's almost not worth having a system where you roll a twenty-sided die. We have twenty possible outcomes, mm. and all it means is do I, you know, do I succeed? Yeah, or fail? you might as well read like that, and that's yeah. it. Okay, yeah. Might as well flip a coin. Yeah, Mike, what do you reckon? So. Um, what's what's hard for you to learn? What did you like, dislike? Um, the hardest part for me to learn was probably uh, the advantage disadvantage stuff was the hardest I could wrap my head around. That it didn't make sense reading it in the book, and it took me it took me a yeah. while to figure out how you were implementing that. Yeah, that's that's something that that um, I thought was really was really simple. I mean, I thought that was really like you roll two d twenty to take. The highest or the lowest result, depending if you've got advantage or disadvantage. But literally, no one ever rolled two dice at the same time. You would roll one, and I, and I have to remind you. Well, you but you've got advantage. When you say it like that, it makes sense. But when you read it in the book, it do, it makes it out to be a lot more complicated. 
Yeah, the, the, they've always been a bit like that at Wizard of the Coast and um, TSR. It's it's always been a bit. They could have said it in a better way, but ultimately it goes through about seventeen different hands, and they just decide kind of like the average best way to say something, um, and it, it ends up being it doesn't quite catch well, anyone. I, I, I still to, to this day to, to this day I can't figure out what determines if you were uh, if you're rolling with advantage or disadvantage. Is it just DM's whim? Because uh, almost right, okay. there are there are powers and feats and stuff that allow you to do it. There are standard things like say um, the action of help helping someone. So there's no flanking bonus, for example. If you if you um, have a, a creature directly between you, and in previous editions you'd get a bonus to your roll because you're flanking them. But in this one that doesn't happen. And what you do is you give up your entire action to help. So you say I'm going to harry this guy. I'm going to sort of you know, distract him. I'm going to do something or other, and it helps. The next person, or helps the, the person you name, and so they get advantage right. on that roll, and that is a very crunchy. When this happens, this person has advantage. When this happens, this person has disadvantage. But mostly, it really is down to you role play mm. it. If you play your character absolutely straight, then you'll only get advantage and disadvantage when you have a power that says so, like the dwarves have advantage on rolls against poison, yeah. for example. Um, and that's a crunchy thing there, and that's the only reason you'll ever get it. Everything else is you make your case. So um, when uh, Adam playing Oraf uh, was talking about was it the Goblin Chieftain, the Hobgoblin Chieftain, um, the Warlord who who had a who was throwing yeah. spears at you, and I, I, I said that he had his he had a shield on his arm, he was throwing spears, and Adam just went, oh, "How's he doing that?" It's like, surely you know, he's at a disadvantage. Like, yeah, absolutely, yeah, good case, yeah, fair enough, he's got disadvantage. Um, with um, with Biddy sort of le- leaping over tables with Lord Robert, um, he would make a, a roll based on that because I thought, look, I thought that's cool, whatever, you know, you do that, um, make this roll. And I'd always give you favourable odds, to be honest. Um, it was never 50 50 that um, if, if, you, if you pulled off this manoeuvre, you get advantage on the next thing. So it's what can I do to set myself up or set someone else up to have advantage? Mm. And um, the general rules of thumb are if you're kind of nobbling yourself a bit, you get advantage on a roll, like you're taking care, you, you've foregone an action or whatever. Or if you're trying to do something really cool, but it's hard, like a called shot, for example. You know, I, I want to throw this dagger and I want to get him in the eye. Well, you roll disadvantage, because mm. that's hard. You know, it's not it's not standard. Whereas I, I would sort of want to make maybe extra rolls, because rolling dice is fun. The simple rule is, you want to do something complicated that might be cool, roll the disadvantage, because now right. you've got to earn it. Okay. You know what I mean? Mm. Oh, yeah, that, that kind of makes more sense now. Okay. Yeah, it it really is down to how people want to run it at the table, though. It's this thing that instead of saying, uh, well, in this situation, this is what 3.5 and Pathfinder is like. Okay, so uh, you have the high ground, okay, you have a plus two, but you're in rough terrain, so you have a minus two, but then you've got, you're flanking with this other guy, so then you've got a plus two. But he has a feat that says when he's flanking, he gives you an extra right. plus one, so I've got a plus one there. And well, I've got this sword that says, um, you know, if I'm fighting someone who's in cloth armor i get a plus one to hit and and it's just endless endless stuff whereas in D D, you just go okay you've got some good stuff you've got some bad stuff on balance you've got advantage roll with advantage done cool right uh, yeah and you get to roll 2d20 so you basically you get an automatic re-roll as it were and that's how we were playing it is that you just roll twice but everyone really should have 2d20s um in in their set so the seven standard set of dice is now an eight standard set of dice yeah that's that, which is something I did. I used to, whenever people were borrowing dice from I gave them two d twenties, and we never picked up that that habit. But oh, well. we'll see. 
Um, but what I found the easiest was the character sheet. It, you know, when you said everything's worked out for for you, you just add those numbers. Yeah. That I got straight away. And what I, I, I noticed yeah. that other people didn't, which annoyed me. Well, it's <laughs> it's one of those things where if you know where you're looking for things, because there's numbers all over the place, and none of you went through the character creation process. Yeah. That's, which that's I think the will be thing. better next time. Now, you can't... Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if, if, once, once you've built up a character. Sorry, sorry. I was just going to say, if if you're the one physically putting the numbers in its location, just the automatic connection as to where you need to look for stuff is just instantly there. Yeah. And you just you just lose that with a pre-gen character. Well, um, to to plug the game the card sleeve thing again, if you look at that, um, the, the one of the strengths about this system of proficiency, for example, is that you don't need to add it up. So when I say roll a, a stealth check, that's because these sheets have stealth, here's a number, but you should say roll a dexterity uh, stealth. So all you have to do is look at your dexterity modifier, are you proficient or not? And that's it. And you know what your proficiency bonus is, because it's the same for everything. You know, if so up to level, level uh, four, it's a, a plus two. So you know that if you've got a minus one dex, and you're, but you're proficient in that skill, it's a plus two, so you got... You know, so you can just do the math. It's simple math, and that only goes up to six. If so, if you're playing a level thirty character, I think that and I think the top level is twenty in this one. Um, so if you're playing level twenty character, you will only be adding six as your proficiency. Right. So it's it's fairly simple all the way up, and you've got a long time to get used to adding that number in your head if you don't want to do the math. If you look at the game and the card sleeve stuff, that's just a suggestion someone else gave me is that I don't need to list out every single skill for the character sheet. That doesn't need to be there. All you need is enough space to write what you're proficient in. And if it's not on that list, you ain't proficient, so you don't add anything. Right, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. But yeah, I mean, I, I like how this the character sheet is organised, but I think they should have... Even the full ones are three pages, I think they should have been able to get it onto two. I think there's, I think there's too much space to do with your character backstory and your character this, that, and the other. But you know what? Write it on a piece of paper, write it on a card. Just know it. Yeah, <laughs> right in your yeah. Head. Because you don't need to, re- you don't need to refer to it through the game. You only need to refer to it when you're starting out when it or becomes like between sessions or, or yeah. you know. Exactly, yeah. So you don't need it there as easy reference. A character sheet should be easy. I suppose reference. as a starter character sheet, it needs to be there for if someone who hasn't played it before, maybe. All that all that information is is relevant. Yeah, I mean that that does give you your backstory. Um, but let's say the the backgrounds, the backgrounds become completely irrelevant after Fandalin, because by that point you know that character back to front. Yeah. Okay. You don't need to know his backstory anymore. You just need to know how you're leveling up, what's what gear you've got, and what spells you've got, things like that. And you rapidly run out of space on these pre-gen sheets. But on the three-page ones, you've got a whole page. The, the back of your character sheet, so you're pretty double-sided. Like, you, the, you've got a whole page dedicated to backstory and appearance and general stuff that you should just know about your character. And if you want to change them, fucking change them, you know? But you don't need to go, okay, you're going into this, um, you're going into this, this wooded forest or whatever. Hang on a second. I, I need to know what kind of boots I've got, you know? Like, no. no. I think by the time you, if you're enjoying it and you're dedicated to it, I think by the time you get to Fandalin, the pre-created sheets become a burden. Yeah. I, mean, I, think it's, I think you just get really frustrated and go, well, 
my backstory kind of says like I shouldn't be doing this, and oh yeah, okay. And then you start playing the character rather than playing the role. Does that make sense? No. Yeah. 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 It's probably a better way to word it, but I, I, I just felt it just got in the way. I, I was having more fun like bouncing off Adam and arguing with Adam. I think that there was a session <laughs> there, wasn't there, where me and you, me and Adam, had a well, not an argument, but it was an in-game argument, wasn't it? Do you remember that? Pretty much, yeah. And yeah. And after it, I think we both was like, right, right, okay. Do we? Do, do I need to apologise to him in in real life for the, for the for my tone? But I think, yeah, actually, that's my favourite part where I actually kicked in and I actually had an in-game argument with Adam because I was enjoying it that much. That that's my favourite part. And on that note, I think we will we'll leave right. that there. So that it's it's been a great chat, Alice. We've got plenty of stuff i thought we did we'd only have like half an hour <laughs> just like um but yeah that's 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 that'll be a good a good episode i think excellent all right, then. All right. see you later gents see you later chaps all right see you now bye bye dungeons and dragons is owned and distributed by wizards of the coast the intro music was big beat repeat by josh powell any questions comments hate mail feedback anything like that please get in touch with us at swordnutradio at gmail.com that's swordnutradio at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Um, and, and Mike was laughing at me for being old. Because oh. he's a dick. <laughs> and, um, and how depressing is it that we have in the UK high school fucking prom? It's a high, it, it's not a high school. It's, it's a, a secondary. It's not even a secondary. It's just, you know, school, disco. That's all yeah, you yeah. need to say. Exactly. Let's, let's belittle it, shall we? Let's not, you know, let's the not most... give these people any credit. The most effort I put into my school disco was I wet my hair in the toilets of the bathroom at the place where it was to style it slightly. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Please tell me with the water. Vanilla Ice, Ice Ice Baby was the first single I ever bought. Nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first single I ever bought, and I think this is pretty good, is Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls. <laughs> I remember that. From but... South Park, okay. yeah. I think that's a pretty decent first ever. <laughs> Mine was the Man United single. The oh. Man United single. Hang your head in yes. shame. So look out of here, or there's a truck changing lane. <laughs> yellow crumbs on your upper lip. You yeah. work in Royston Vasey? Where they filmed The League of Gentlemen is uh, Hadfield, uh, just off oh, Glossop, and that's yeah. that's where I work. And for a beautiful couple of years, um, one of the local taxi firms bought the pink uh, taxi cab <laughs> from the show, and um, you could actually, you know, get picked up and go somewhere in it. It was great. Was the driver in drag? I I never saw it myself, but apparently he did do it on a few occasions, like on I think it was like Halloween, on New Year's Eve, stuff like that. He did it as a bit of a joke. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yes, yeah. A joke. That's what he wants you to think. <laughs> it's like the one day he could really be himself. <laughs> yeah. Louis Brabus and the Bedlam Six. I, 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 I've got an album and I really like their stuff. And I just sent them a thing on Twitter saying, "Can we use this song?" Uh, I think it was the Telltale Hound for um, Inspectors. And they went, "Yeah, fill your boots." You know, they literally said, "You can use anything at all as long as you bought it and you own it. It's fine. You know, just just, just use it." Yeah. Is is that the song that is on the beginning of our various? Um, inspectors games that we've got on. Yeah, so it's, it's the Telltale Hound 
own inspectors. That kind of bad, 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 kind of. Yeah. Ah, okay. Um, well, the, the one on Mist in the Mirror for the Fate game, that's them as well. The, uh, when the Spice Girls performed on the Brit Awards, you know, when there was that, yeah. Jerry Halliwell was in that famous non-existent Union Jack flag dress. Oh, yeah. 18 years ago. Oh, fuck off. Yeah, I know. Just... <sighs> why does why does time have to keep moving? So, um, so I'm going to introduce my guest in a crazy kind of shitty... Radio as, as DJ as voice. As well, please don't, please don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. I'm, I'm cringing pretty badly here right now. I don't know what to say. Back uh, saying hello. What, just, what, what should I say? Well, I don't know what words. I think fix it in post. <laughs> fix it in post. You fucker. <laughs>